You see everything on that site. <laughs> this one guy was like one of those like bondage guys. And he was like, well, can you do this? And was like a full like latex outfit with like, and I was like, I don't have a whole like array of costumes for you. Like you gotta pay for that if you want something weird like that. Honestly, there's so many of us who are also doing it. I remember um, when I was still an undergrad, like just people would freely talk about it. And I was like, oh, well, like, so it's like much, it's much more like common than I think people really suspect it to be, especially kind of within our like age bracket. Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in today. I am Lindsay and you just heard a few of my friends talking about the topic for this episode, which is sugar dating. Sugar dating is a specific dating experience that is becoming pretty popular among college students. We'll also be focusing on the popular sugar dating website, Seeking Arrangement. Now, if you are totally unfamiliar with the concept, sugar dating is a form of dating in which it is common for one of the participants to benefit financially. This financial compensation can come in many forms, such as nice dinners, gifts, allowances, or simply cash. Oftentimes, the more affluent person in the relationship is an older man, referred to as a sugar daddy, and the beneficiary is a younger woman, referred to as a sugar baby. Heads up, I'm going to be using these terms quite a bit, so I would like to apologize for that in advance. But of course, these dynamics can change depending on gender and sexuality. So obviously, forms of sugar dating have been going on for a long time. In the past, women couldn't have their own careers, so they married for financial stability and so on and so forth. But now that women have more agency and with the popularity of internet dating sites, how these relationships are started and maintained has evolved. One of the most popular sugar dating sites is called Seeking Arrangement. They boast over 10 million active members in over 139 countries. The site is heavily marketed towards college students by a program they call Sugar Baby University, in which if you sign up with your student email, you can get free access to a premium membership. There's also a student debt clock on the site that consistently ticks up with a tagline under it reading, join the more than 2.7 million students in the United States who have turned to seeking arrangement and sugar daddies to avoid student debt and secure a better future. It is obvious why the site would want college students to join. They want attractive young sugar babies to attract paying members. It is also obvious why college students would want to join. They are broke and being told that they can make money just by being young and attractive. When I first heard about the site and the practice of sugar dating, I was extremely intrigued. As a broke college student myself, I could see the appeal, but as a feminist, I was a little concerned about the complications that must come from being paid for your company. I wanted more information, but I was a little too timid to jump into the site headfirst, so I started bringing it up in conversations to test the waters with my friends. Frequently, when I would breach the topic, someone around me would say something like, oh, a sugar daddy? Yeah, I had one of those. Or, my roommate made a bunch of money on that site, or something of that nature. So eventually, I found three people who were willing to talk to me about their experiences and give me advice, so I could create my own profile and try it myself, which I will also be discussing later in the episode. But first, you will get to hear from some of my friends who shared their stories about seeking arrangement and sugar dating. Some of their names have been changed at their request. One of the things I found interesting about them was how they all use the site differently. Cameron, one of my friends and an extremely outgoing young woman, went on a few dates and had some long-term relationships that resulted in her making a few thousand dollars and going on three all-expenses-paid trips. She was somewhat vague about the nature of her relationships, but some details will be provided in anecdotes to come. 
Another one of my friends, Morgan, never met anyone from this site in person, but rather made money by selling men what she called PG-13 nudes. She was never fully naked and always made sure to not include her face in the images. And lastly, Colin took the chance to travel to meet men in other states and made some legitimate connections with his sugar daddies, one of whom he communicates with frequently and considers a genuine friend. The nature of his relationships with his sugar daddies varied. Some were sexual and others were platonic. I think one of the reasons they have such different results from the site is because they all had various motivations for joining. For example, Cameron didn't go into it with many expectations at all. So what led me to initially start is I, like many of the people I know, are poor college kids. And um, it started off as a joke, as most things do, and then it became a little bit serious. But um, yeah, so I think it was just the money aspect. Um, it seemed really relatively easy to meet guys online that would just take you out to nice dinners and, and give you money. But, you know, it's it's fun to be young and, and relatively not ugly and <laughs> get paid for it. Morgan was pretty much just in it for the money. Like the idea to create a profile, like where did that come from? Well, it's called being big time broke. Um, yeah, me and my friend, my old roommate, both did it, but she didn't get like any luck with it. And we ended up getting banned. We both ended up getting banned, but I got banned after the fact. So I did find, I think I got one. I got one solid sugar daddy, you might say. To elaborate a bit, Morgan was banned because it is against the seeking arrangement terms of service to sell pictures or participate in prostitution. But alternatively, Colin's main motivation for joining the site was to meet people. So, um, honestly, how I got started was one of my friends mentioned it to me. So, I have a friend, she's like 28, and um, after she graduated undergrad, like, she was a teacher in, like, rural Arkansas, and she was just making no money, and so to like make ends meet like she decided to join seeking arrangement and so um i really started to do it just for like the fun of it like i didn't really need like the money but i guess i was pretty interested in just like the excitement of like meeting new people but like potentially having all these cool benefits like money and trips and stuff now that you know their motivations and situations go ahead and let them tell you their most memorable stories First up is Colin, sharing a generally positive experience of his. I think my best experience um, was a sugar daddy that I continue to talk to today. Like, I guess I would still consider him. Actually, I consider him more of a friend now. So it's like an evolution mm -hmm. of being a sugar baby. But um, he lives in New York. Like, he flew me up there multiple times. Like, put me on these crazy shopping sprees. Like, treated me to super nice dinners. Um... Like, and to this day, like, if I fly to New York, he'll, like, send a driver to the airport to pick me Ooh, up. Like, it's so fancy. nice. Yeah, but um, I decided to, like, be less of a, like, I don't, I felt, like, weird about continuing to see him, like, in a sugar baby-esque kind of way. Right. And just decided, oh, hey, like, maybe we should just be friends. Like, I don't really want your money or, like, anything anymore just because I really don't want to hang out with you anymore. Now I'll hear a story from Cameron. I went on another date and um, from the get-go, he was like, I am in a couple and I'm, we're interesting, interested in adding in another person. So I was like, oh, I'm interested. And so I <laughs> go to dinner and um, they like tell me that they're going to Cancun and if I wanted to come. 
So I said, absolutely, I'm there. And so he bought my ticket, my plane ticket. And um, I'd met with him like a couple times before. So I had a little bit of money in my account. So I went out drinking the night before my flight. I think I was a little bit nervous, a little bit scared. And I missed my flight. So I ended up um, buying another plane ticket to get there. He reimbursed me, but I had money to pay for it because I'd met with him a couple times before, or met with them a couple times before. And um, yeah, so we go to Cancun and um, the entire time we're walking around, everyone is speaking Spanish to us and it's like, un padre y hermana? And I'm like, no, mis amigos. And I just remember feeling like really uncomfortable, but like also a little relieved that it was out of the country. And so I didn't have to explain myself. I could just say like, oh, my friends and that's fine. Um, But yeah, so I think that in itself was really interesting. Just like walking around and like getting the first glimpses of feeling awkward because I was with an older man and a, another girl that looks like late 30 ish. So I think a lot of people that are on the seeking arrangement sites probably feel that, but maybe closer to home. So that probably makes it more real for them. Whereas me, I was, it was like a little escape. Like I was out of the country. And so it was fine for me to do that. And so I never really hung out with this couple like in the area. It was more like in different countries, which which made it easier, I think. It was like a false sense of reality. Like you, you go on an airplane and then it's like another world where no one knows you and you can do anything you want. Free trip and then where you don't know anyone and don't want to explain yourself or feel guilty. I think that's what it was. I was able to not feel guilty because I separated myself from my life here. But why would you feel guilty here? I, I think it's, it's, it's more one of those like things where it's taboo to be with an older person um anyways or at least like we feel like it should you you marry within like two years of your own age typically and so I think that made it feel wrong and then also knowing that um I wouldn't want people to know I think that's a pretty good way to to tell whether something um is like okay or not is whether like if everyone found out about it would you be okay with it and so I think the fact that I knew that if everyone found out about it in my life that I love that I've talked to you knew about it I wouldn't be okay with it I think that was mainly what did make me feel guilty I'm sure a lot of sugar babies can relate to Cameron's feelings of guilt Colin actually told me he had a falling out with one of his friends when she found out he was saying sugar daddies she compared it to prostitution and seemed scandalized by the idea of it Colin made it a point to tell me he doesn't see anything wrong with prostitution and that even if it were what he were doing, in his mind, as long as he was being safe, his friends shouldn't have a problem with it. Safety was definitely a concern of mine, so I asked my friends if they had ever found themselves in any situations that made them feel unsafe or uncomfortable. Seeing as Morgan never met anyone in person, she never found herself in any sticky situations. Cameron and Colin, on the other hand... Yes. So the weirdest date I had, uh, we had gone to this restaurant downtown. I don't even remember the name of it. I'd never heard of it. We like had a couple drinks and then um, he like, we were doing the whole like the sponge stage where you're getting to know someone where it's like, where are you from? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Like there's so much to learn about each other. And so we did that for like an hour or two and I was having a great time. And so he, not this, in hindsight, this is not the smartest decision of my part, on my part. Um, <laughs> but okay, so he's like, my, uh, my apartment's just around the block, like if you if you want to go there. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. So um, we're walking down the street and 
we go to his apartment. There's like a, a bellman and a revolving door. So I'm like, okay, I, I trust this guy, which is again, shit on my part because rich people can be murderers too. We go up this elevator, this nice like gold on the ceiling, like just very pristine. And so we go up to his apartment and then we walk in and then immediately you open the door and then all you see is just like floor to ceiling windows. Like the whole thing is lined with windows. So I was like, wow, like I think I'm doing myself right right now. And so I walk in um, to the house further and this guy has one couch, one table, the appliance that probably already came with the apartment and then like 10 different magazines of himself on, on this coffee table. And so, um, yeah, are you going to murder me? Is my next, it was my next question. <laughs> um, but so he gave me like a, a tour as far as that goes, which was just like, check out the balcony. It opens and then turn around and look at all the furniture I don't have. And so the tour ended in his little bedroom with one one bed and one gray comforter. And then um, I was about to leave, starting to get a little freaked out because who doesn't have decor in their place? Like, And he didn't just move in. He said that he lived there for a couple years. So I just was very confused. So um, before I left, he like opened up his closet and showed me all of his gags, toys, anal beads, plugs all these different things and, and told me that that's what he was into so I, I left shortly after weirdest date though yeah I mean definitely so I will say like the first time I pulled up to New York like I was definitely really nervous right because like I had never met this person like in the flesh before so I was so nervous like going into the airport and like also he had texted me and was like oh hey I'm pretty drunk like I hope that's okay so I was like I mean, I guess, like, I, like, if you're drunk, girl, like, I can't say no, like, that's not okay now. Already happening. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, I was really nervous about it. And I usually don't get nervous about anything. But honestly, after that, like, I really felt pretty fine. In case you were worried, Colin was not murdered by that man and had a decent trip with him. After talking to my friends about what to expect and hearing some stories, I felt more prepared to try it for myself. I had a couple main reservations, one being somewhat shallow. I have a bit of an unconventional appearance, mainly due to the fact that I'm a woman with a buzz cut. I knew that when I cut my hair, it wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea, and I never really cared about that, until I was faced with the possibility of men on the site not wanting to go out with me. However, I am very grateful to Cameron for giving me some amazing words of wisdom. You would be very surprised. I, I, I remember thinking the same, that they want like blonde, pristine. I don't I don't think that's the case at all because I think people are a lot more open minded than we think sometimes. Like for instance, they're on this site. <laughs> so um they're yeah, they're definitely not the straight and narrow um banking daddy's golf buddies kind of people if they're on this site. So I, I I think that's selling yourself short. Another thing I was uneasy about was the very concept of sugar dating. I completely believe in body autonomy and I support sex workers. But I also personally believe these practices result from a societal system that over-sexualizes women and teaches women that their bodies should be commodified and bought and gawked at. But I still support women who take advantage of this system. I asked Cameron what she thought of some people's opinions that sugar dating goes against feminist values. I would say that being a feminist is about knowing your fucking worth. <laughs> and guys exploit us all the time, do they not? 
I think that there's so many times in life when guys get the upper hand that why the fuck would we not express ourselves in a way that's benefiting us, even if it is just financially. And yeah, I, I can see the argument that's like, um, you're, you're letting guys pay you for what you look like. And if you look at it in a different mindset, it's like, no, I'm fucking using <laughs> a person to either make good memories while traveling or be able to afford things that I normally couldn't or all these different benefits that can positively impact your life. If you look at those instead, then I think the largest argument is like do what works out for you and people can agree or disagree or agree to disagree. But I think at the end of the day, if you're getting something out of it, then that's supporting every single feminist value on the planet. I understood what Cameron was saying and agreed with her in a lot of ways. I think a lot of modern feminism has become about women reclaiming sexual spaces and using their sexuality to their advantage. But I suppose it is still hard for me to view the act as empowering when the man paying for the date or the trip or whatever it may be thinks he is also in a position of power. Because as the old saying goes, money is power. So having expressed my main concerns, I asked my interviewees for any last advice. Colin and Morgan warned me of scams that try to get your banking information, as well as advised me to use messaging apps such as Kik, spelled K-I-K, to avoid giving out my cell phone number. Cameron gave me some more personal advice that I think I really needed to hear. Be bold. Like, that's that's the best thing. Uh, like, be bold with your bio. Be bold with how you approach them. And then be bold with what you want. As well, like if you are looking for someone where you just want to get a cocktail and chat and then you both get your separate ways at the end of the night, like be bold and say that up front because not everyone is going to be displeased by that. And so like I, I think don't go in with the assumption that everyone wants to fuck or not talk to you. So um, everyone's on a different level for as far as like the guys go. And so if you're bold about what you want, then they can meet you halfway and then you both are benefiting it and you're staying true to yourself as well. And with those last words of encouragement, I was ready to create a profile and find some sugar daddies. I will start by explaining a little bit about my bio. And please don't be too judgmental as some of it is pretty grungy. I included four pictures of myself, the exact same I used when creating a Tinder profile because they are, in my opinion, the only good photos that exist of me. There is a quick background section to fill out with identifiers such as relationship status and body type, and I was completely honest about these. Then there is an about me prompt. This is what I put word for word. I am a fun, outgoing student. I love live music, good food, and dressing up. I have a unique style and attitude, so if you're looking for something new, I'm your girl. There's also a seeking section where you explain what type of partner you want. I kept it short and to the point. I am just looking for someone to take me out for drinks and keep me out of trouble. And if you want to help me with my rent, that would be amazing. The same night I created my profile, I had at least five interactions right off the bat. You can see who has viewed your profile, who has favorited your profile, and you can message people on the site. I started to talk to a couple of men. I wanted to be open to all kinds of people for the podcast, so I was probably less picky than I would have been if I were looking for a personal connection. The first person I talked to off the site definitely resulted from me testing my boundaries. He messaged me on the site and asked what I was looking for. I told him someone just to take me out and I would see what happened from there. He responded, anything sexual? 
I told him I don't hook up with people unless I know them, and he responded, that's a shame. At this point, I was going to let the conversation die, but I was curious to explore the possibilities, so I messaged back, would you pay? He said, I could, how much? I told him one month's rent around $600, which I felt was fair. This brought me to my first obstacle with the site, having to numerically value myself. I didn't like considering how much sex with me was worth, and I can't imagine it's a healthy thing to contemplate regularly. He then asked me to message him off the site. We exchanged a couple more texts, and I realized I was not going to go through with prostituting myself, even though I imagined it would make an amazing story for the podcast. But I told him I was no longer interested, so that was the end of that. One of the next men I messaged, I'll call him Dan, suggested we meet to see if we were compatible. He was a 55-year-old married man with a nice, caring demeanor. He told me he would take me out for coffee and pay me $50 for my time. I picked the coffee place, and he told me it was right by his office, so I should bring a notepad so if he saw someone from work, he could play it off like a professional meeting. So one morning, a few days after creating my profile, I went on a coffee date. That morning, I was less nervous than I anticipated. I rarely ever go on dates, especially with strangers under these particular circumstances. However, it was freeing to know that I was never going to see this person again, and there was no pressure to make them like me. When I walked into the coffee shop, Dan was standing by the counter with a coffee. I recognized him from his profile pictures. He looked fairly anxious as he walked me to our table. When we sat down, he explained to me that his daughter's boyfriend, Roy, was there. Dan told me he told Roy that I was a student he was meeting to discuss my future career plans. Keep in mind, at this point, I had no idea what this man even did. Dan then said he needed to introduce me to Roy so it didn't seem suspicious. I had very little time to process this as Dan walked me over to a handsome young man ordering a coffee. We exchanged introductions, and Roy gestured to Dan, exclaiming, Isn't he such a great guy? I literally didn't know this man. Yeah, I agreed. He's super nice for meeting with me. Roy then grabbed his coffee and left. I felt pretty uncomfortable after that interaction. Initially, I didn't think meeting a married man would be a problem because I knew it was for a story and that I would never see him again, but meeting essentially a member of his family made it all a bit too real. Nevertheless, when Dan and I returned to our table, we acted as though nothing had happened. I asked how old his daughter was. He smirked at me and said, older than you. Turns out his daughter was 31, 10 years older than me. One of the things I wanted to know from the men I met was why they were interested in sugar dating as opposed to a more conventional form of dating. I asked Dan this at the beginning of our date. He told me he liked to meet new people to get to know them and explore them. He squinted at me and said, I like to get inside their heads. I found this a bit off-putting. He went on to say he liked to spoil people because he struggled financially in college, so he essentially wanted to pay it forward to others. He told me he had had a few successful long-term sugar baby arrangements, one that lasted years until she got married, and even then she tried to continue it into her marriage. I was shocked to find this out. Dan seemed like a nice man. He spoke highly of his wife, yet he had been cheating on her for years. I suppose, in a way, he was paying the women he met for their discretion. The rest of the date was normal. We talked about our jobs and religion, among other unremarkable things. Afterwards, he walked me outside and gave me $50 cash. Later that day, he messaged me thanking me for coffee and asked if I would like to go out with him again. I told him his marriage was a deal breaker for me, and we haven't spoken since. The second and last date I went on was a week or so later. 
According to his profile, he was a 41-year-old man in an open relationship looking for a fun and outgoing lady to spend time with and have good conversations. I met him at a restaurant near my house I had always wanted to try, but it was a bit too expensive for me. He didn't say anything about paying me for my time, so I assumed the nice dinner was the compensation, which is the case in a lot of arrangements. The date started off a little awkwardly, but after a couple drinks, I was actually having a really nice time. The food was amazing, and he seemed genuinely interested in learning more about me. Eventually, I asked him the golden question, why are you on the site? He told me that after a while in his marriage, he realized he wanted something different than his wife, so he started dating around. Once again, he had maintained some relationships with sugar babies for years and said he had had generally positive experiences. By the end of the night, I was a little bit tipsy and thinking that I would actually like to see this man again. At one point, I excused myself to the bathroom, and as I sat in my stall, the song Song for Zula by Phosphorescent played through the speakers. If you're unfamiliar with the song, the lyrics emotionally describe the transformative powers of love and heartbreak and the dangers of vulnerability. As I sang along, I realized that I would probably never be able to completely embrace sugar dating, because if I was going to put an effort to be around someone, I wanted it to be a genuine connection that excited me, and I didn't think I could find that on the site. When the date was over and I hugged him goodbye, he asked me if I would be interested in seeing him again. I told him I was busy with graduating from college and looking for a job, which was true. A few days later, he asked me out again, and I told him it wasn't a good time for me to start something with someone new. He was very understanding and told me I could reach out if I changed my mind. So those were the main interactions I had from the site. I honestly had some genuinely good conversations with those men and was overall pleasantly surprised. I think a benefit from the site I found is how honest people are with their intentions. The people I communicated with were very upfront about the types of relationships they were looking for and what kind of effort they expected in return. It was honestly refreshing. However, I wasn't attracted to either of the men and I didn't want to force myself to feign attraction just for the associated perks. Upon reflection, this brought me to a criticism I have of sugar dating. Neither I nor anyone I interviewed was in dire need of money. I can't help but wonder if someone on the site in a less fortunate situation would feel the need to do things they weren't totally comfortable with in order to make ends meet. This is obviously a concern when money is a factor in any sort of intimate arrangement, but I think it is something for those participating to keep in mind. This was one of my critiques of the practice, but upon discussing it with some others, they presented a different perspective. When I went home over a holiday break to see my family, the topic of me experimenting with sugar dating accidentally arose. My stepdad was joking about me not having a job post-graduation, and I joked that I didn't need to worry about that because men would pay me for dates. Obviously, I was asked to elaborate, and soon my two brothers were arguing with me about the morality of the practice because they believed women would likely lie on the site to obtain more money and benefits. Here I was, considering the possibility that the sugar babies on the site might be getting taken advantage of, but my brothers shared the opposite concern. As a counter-argument, I presented a view I possess that all relationships are in some way transactional, that people are either seeking money or sex or distractions or happiness. So I felt that money was just another motivator, but one of my brothers was adamant that money was a less pure driver and that it would lead to more immoral behavior. I can honestly see where he is coming from, and I think that it's hard to argue, because often the pursuit of money is associated with impurity. But I think that association is unfortunately amplified when sex or relationships are involved. The argument with my brother got rather heated. 
I became fairly defensive, and he was coming from a place of concern for his younger sister. The following day, he apologized to me and told me he was sorry and that he needs to be less judgmental. I think Colin expressed an applicable philosophy that I agree with when I asked him what he would tell critics of sugar dating if he could. I just feel like, and I feel this about so many things, like if people are (laughs) deriving like happiness from it and it's not like influencing someone else's humanity or influencing like someone else's, I don't know, like existence, then I think it's totally okay. I'm not sure if I'll continue to meet people from the site after the podcast is over. Honestly, I often find it exhausting to be around people I'm attracted to, let alone spend all that time and effort with people I don't even want to date. I guess the perks aren't enough incentive for me, but that's not to speak poorly about anyone who feels like they are. And some people are genuinely looking for a relationship, not just short-term benefits. Obviously, there's a lot of different kinds of people on the site, and it's a lot more common than I think most people realize. So I would encourage everyone to keep an open mind about it. You never know, your sister could reveal she's a sugar baby at the next family gathering like I did. Or it could be your neighbor or classmate or best friend. It could be anyone. So I would just advise that you ask questions if you're curious, but your first question should probably be if they're being safe, instead of if they're behaving to your own personal moral code. Music for this podcast was provided by premiumbeat.com. And I would also like to give a huge shout out to everyone who I interviewed and who participated in the podcast. I literally couldn't have done without y'all, so thank y'all so much.